my next fight will be for the world title. I don't want to hear nothing about a guy coming off two fight skid and got KO'd his last fight. If you're not going to fight, then keep my name out of your mouth, you clout chasing. Welcome to Early Stopping, the show with news of the day. Usually give it just enough time, but sometimes not enough. If this is your first time stopping by, we thank you. And you're ready for something you won't find anywhere else. I'm John Franklin. I'm joined by the God. Father of Fight Night Picks, Craig Allen. Craig, how are you? Hey, it's me, John. I'm well. Listen, I'm in this fantasy football league, and I'm 0-1 to start the season. Yahoo Sports gave me an A- grade, so I'm, I'm doing something right. But I'm really fired up. I'm really excited to talk today because there's a lot going on in MMA, you know, without scratching the surface from the intro. There was a lot of news that came out today. There's been a lot of fight bookings too, and a lot of aftermath and buildup. So listen, I've had a crazy day. I've had a crazy week outside of MMA, and I'm really looking forward to the show because early stoppage is one of my favorite things to do on this channel. I used to say that a lot on every single show I was ever on <laughs> on another network. John took it to heart. So listen, I'm ready to go. This is This is my singular focus right now. I appreciate that. So um, I heard this week that Maine is America's Canada. So what is Canada's Maine? Oh, what's Canada's Maine? Um, gee, I would say New, New Brunswick. Honest to goodness. Like, so, you're I, in, so wait a it's second. It's a cheap you're in... because I'm right here. But like, I'll, I'll give you an example. For all the fans out there right now, um, last weekend I went whale watching with my wife and we went down to St. Andrews, New Brunswick, which was nominated. I want to say it was USA today's number one vacation destination in Canada in 2017. If it wasn't 2015. So if you're an American and you like Maine, you're going to like St. Andrews. There's a uh, former Fairmont, the Algonquin. It's a Tudor style mansion of a, of a hotel. Uh, but I went whale watching. That's at the crux of this. So you go down, you go by Deer Island. This is going to bore some people. You go by Campobello Island. You can see Graham and Ann off in the distance. I could have thrown a baseball and hit Eastport, Maine. Now, I don't think the customs officers and the Americans would have liked that. But suffice it to say, I was very close. And when you come back, you skirt the line between Canada and Maine. Like, you could have swam if you wanted to over that way. So, Maine's right there. I would say New Brunswick is Canada's Maine. I mean, it's a cheap comparison because we're, we're so close together, but a lot of similarities between the two. This is exciting. In our fantasy football league, we have two guys named Craig. One is from America's Canada, and the other is from <laughs> Canada's America. Love it. Bring On this episode together. of Early Stoppage, we talk who wears the pants in the Rousey house, clout chasers, and elder statesmen. But we begin with Anderson Silva. Craig, Anderson Silva was back in the boxing ring this past weekend. The opponent was former mayor pro tem of Huntington Beach, Tito Ortiz, and the fight didn't last long, probably as long as it would have lasted with any other mayor of Huntington Beach. Uh, Silva finished it in the first. Greg, this fight made for a fun poster. Did it make you lose interest in Anderson Silva's boxing prospects and moving forward, or was it just a case where he fought Tito and did what he was supposed to do? So in the other corner of this room is where Matt Allen, Craig Allen, the magic happens. It's where we film the picks and predictions. Matt came in here on Sunday and we were getting ready and we're like, we were, I still had a lot of work to do. And Matt goes, how about Anderson Silva? Yeah. How about Anderson Silva? Now I kind of lay low in between the bushes. I say, Oh, I'm going to order this paper. I'm not. Unfortunately, as I already mentioned on Saturday, I was out whale watching. I got back home really late. I did not watch the pay-per-view, but I know that the other half of the show paid his, how much was it? I didn't, I was camping you with son my son. So I saw it the same way you saw it after the fact. Okay. I saw it on Twitter and man, good for Anderson Silva. Uh, good for him to give up. This is the weird thing. When Tito Ortiz was on the plane and he's like, yeah, Anderson Silva gave up his first class ticket to my wife, girlfriend, whatever she was. Why did Anderson Silva book a seat next to Tito Ortiz on a plane? Okay, a couple things. One, it was a mix-up, but I thought you were going to say the same thing that I thought, which is why would he keep the seat? Yeah, it was a nice thing to yeah. give it up, but why would he keep it? I mean, I guess Tito was saying he gave up his instead of making him give up mine. I get that, but I mean, why would he sit next to Tito Ortiz for a whole – why would he sit next to Tito Ortiz anywhere? But Why would you sit next to him on a plane ride? So, yeah, it was a nice thing for Anderson to do. Listen, I, I don't know what I want next from Anderson, but, I mean, listen, let's talk about the elephant in the room here. It's got to be Roy Jones or Mike Tyson at some point, right? I mean, is that is that what we're building to? 
I don't want to see him fight Logan Paul. Anderson Silva's a G. He's been a G since ever when he walks in there. He should be walking in there with Gs. And you can say what you want to say about Tito. Tito is at least a guy. I don't know how to say this because I can't call him professional because he didn't make weight. I can't no, call well, him. No, well, that's the thing. Just most people show up fit and ready, right, John? He showed up fat and unready. <laughs> you know, I, I did have a problem with him being out of shape. I don't know. There was a time when I thought a guy like Tito wouldn't take a fall. I'm not saying he took a fall. I'm saying there's taking a fall and there's being in no hurry to continue the fight. And and here's our first jail reference. So if you're playing at home, go ahead and take a drink. Um, jail said, if you want a way out, you'll find it. And I think Tito wanted a way out and he found it. That doesn't, that doesn't mean he took a fall, but he wasn't looking to, uh, you know, get knocked down seven times and get up eight. That wasn't who he was the other night. Well, I mean, let's parlay it forward and listen, Vitor Belfort, he was also in the ring this past weekend. He found himself staring across from former heavyweight champion of Vander Holyfield. You know, the guy that knocked Jordan Martinook's lights out at a Carolina Hurricanes game. The fight was quick as well, and the fight was waved off in the first with Holyfield still on his feet. So, John, if you're Vitor Belfort, same question. What's next, and do you fulfill the De La Hoya fight? Do you call it a Paul brother? Maybe see if the winner of the aforementioned co-main event wants to go. What are you saying here? Well, so listen, I don't think Anderson Silva wants anything to do with him. Anderson Silva went the Jake Paul route and said, yeah, I'll fight you when you get the the spider kick tattooed on your chest. Then we can fight. Uh, I honestly think it'd be a hell of a fight in boxing. Anderson seems to want nothing to do with it. I don't think the Pauls want anything to do with it. I think, and we'll talk about this later, if it's fought in Triller, and the way that Triller kind of does their fights, wink, wink. Um, I think that that a Paul brother would fight Vitor. If it's on the level, a Paul brother wants nothing to do with Vitor Belfort because it will be a short night. Although props to Jake Paul. He got in there with a, in a legitimate fight with Tyron Woodley. So Paul, Jake Paul's definitely got the balls. I don't know about Logan. But um, I think he fulfilled the Dale Hoya fight. It was a big enough fight to be a main event. Once De La Hoya gets over COVID, Let's hope, honestly, we give we know we give a lot of these guys like De La Hoya shit, but we don't want De La Hoya to have any long hauler COVID stuff. So if De La Hoya comes back healthy, that's the fight for me. So if if any of that segment could be clipped into a headline, and listen, I've got some stuff to say about headlines later in the show, but the headline would be large boxing fan says Logan Paul not tough, but he took a fight against Floyd Mayweather. He took an exhibition I mean, against Floyd Mayweather. A lot of wow. people take a lot of Come on. Well, I don't know if I'd step in there against him. But to me, it really is weird because Anderson Silva's in his, what, mid-40s, and he's going out there and putting on. He just beat Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., a legitimate fighter, and knocked out Tito Ortiz in the first round. I don't care. Questions around it. That's what happens. Those were the results. Vitor is a weird case, though, because he looked bad at the end of his MMA run. Then he goes in there and fights Holyfield, who comes in on like a week's notice. We all saw a friend of the show, Mike Hex, interview beforehand. And listen, did anybody want to see that fight happen after you saw that pre-fight buildup? Did you want to see it, John? Seriously. I didn't. I didn't want to see it after I saw that mitt work. And, you know, after all this time with all these exhibitions, it happened with Chuck and Tito. Chuck and Tito 3. We'll see bad mitt work, and everybody always goes, I wonder if he's playing possum. Guys. Fighters don't really play possum with mitt work. It very rarely happens. Why would you? I mean, listen, you, your opponent's already trained or he's not trained. He's not going to go in there saying, oh, this fight will be easier. Look at that mitt work, please. I mean, that's just something we're telling each other to maybe get a little bit of courage up to go to the window and place a bet. But I, I don't think that, you know, when I looked at Holyfield, I was like, wow, this guy's – if I'm Holyfield, I would never take that Tyson fight. Like I watched the documentary and it's a couple years old now, but I was scrolling around on Netflix. I was by myself in the hotel room. It was almost bedtime. And I thought, you know what? That, sh that losers was on Netflix. So I clicked on it. I watched the first episode. Did you watch that? No. What is it? F first episode. They had Michael Bent on. I didn't know who Michael Bent was. I'd rather see Michael Bent fight, you know, Anderson Silva than some of these <laughs> other guys or Vitor Belfort. Then Evander Holyfield, Michael Bent, for those who don't know, he like lost his first pro fight after being a super amateur fighter, won 10 in a row, fought Tommy Morrison, who was going to be a tune-up fight for him, and then knocks him out and wins the heavyweight title and then loses his next fight and never fights again. So 
it's crazy. If you've never seen it, it's like a half hour. Go watch it. It's really, really good. But I don't know who's next for Vitor. I don't know if a Paul brother would want to take that. Because, I mean, a fight against Vitor Belfort would have been huge, what, 12 years ago? Like, name-wise? I don't know how much that still carries these days. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that that's what, that's what the De La Hoya fight would have served to do. Like, it would have got him on the level to, to, to earn a Paul fight, which sounds crazy even saying. Craig, we may just have a new star on our hands. While Kamzat Shemaev has been hibernating and Conor McGregor's been losing and taking on, you know, lame rappers. We'll get to that later. Patty the Batty has arrived. He says the wrong things that are kind of the right things. He's a finisher. Hey. He has a weird look and a cool name. So my question to you is, what is the ceiling for Patty the Batty? Top 15. Ugh. Top 15. I mean, listen, I had Luigi Vendramini going into that fight. I thought his ground game and his striking was really going to be a difference maker. I lent credence to the fact that Patty has continued to improve his handiwork, but it's two fights kind of as tune-ups to get back to get into fight shape after losing to Soren Bach was against uh, Decky Dalton which was an incredibly short notice. It was on that hobbled together cage warrior slash UFC card. You had Fabinski taking on Darren Stewart that was thrown on there as a main event, but he wins that fight. And then his next time out, he takes on Davide Martinez and he was a minus like 625 in that fight. So it's really hard to gauge how good you are based on those performances. His old win over, um, who was it? Alexis Savitas, which was amazing, but it was really hard to try and get an idea of what we were going to get in the UFC. So obviously it was a huge pleasant surprise when he beats Benjamini. he's bodied up physically you can tell he's matured into his body at 155 pounds i think the ceiling is very high i'll be kind of interested to see if he continues to train with his team over in liverpool if maybe someday he makes a move to an american camp one of the bigger ones obviously we've seen guys like Mateusz gamrot come in from poland former ksw champ similar type of hype loses debut to guram kutataladze and then he comes right out there just absolutely swinging guns blazing. And now he looks amazing. So I I think Patty Pimblett has a huge, very high ceiling. But I will say, he says the wrong things that are kind of the right things. There's a lot of stuff that he says that's the wrong things. Now, there's obviously a crowd out there that's going to disagree with me. And they're going to agree with Patty. Uh, so in the end, publicity is publicity. And I don't know what he truly believes in. So I can't comment on it. But yeah, I... Hopefully for him and for the rocket ship that is a success, he doesn't kind of self-implode with, with something that he says on social media. Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, when I say the, he says the wrong things, that are kind of the right things, meaning it draws a crowd. And he, and he kind of totes that line of like, I can seem like a little bit of, I could bring you that air of danger without finding myself canceled. You know, Jorge Masvidal kind of straddles that line. Conor, all the best guys straddle that line, right? Sean O'Malley comes about as close to it as you can come, right? I mean, he's he's an example of a guy that's, that's kind of has, has dodged a couple landmines. But here's here's the thing. When I look at a guy like Patty Pimble and I look at him through the lens of a lot of other guys, right? Like I look at him through the Connor lens and the Mally lens, the Masvidal lens. A couple of interesting things here, right? As I'm seeing him, I don't think he has tattoos. If he does, if he, does he doesn't have a lot of them. No, he doesn't he has have a any. Weird, has a weird haircut. So it's interesting that he's sort of this blank canvas in that – he has a very, looks like the guy looks like a, a goddamn Von Eric for Christ's sakes. He looks like one of the looks like Kevin Von Eric or some shit. But anyway, that aside, you know, he gets a haircut, starts throwing tattoos. I mean, he can clean up his look and look cooler than he does now. Now he kind of has that I don't give a shit look. And you kind of accept it. He's like, a, you know, he's a shithead hooligan from over the pond. He can clean it up a little bit with a new haircut, maybe some tats, maybe dressing differently. So he's a blank canvas. Which, if you're the UFC or someone that's at, in his management, that's exciting to see. Connor was kind of that way. Connor came in pretty raw, and then he cultivated an image. So yeah, from that perspective, because we look at it two different ways. You're looking at him as a fighter. I'm looking at him as someone who can be marketed. And um, you're you're no no have... no. Hold on. Whoa whoa whoa. Let's not get it twisted. You're looking at it as an Arizona resident who wants Patty Pimblet to go move to Tucson and look like every other schlub that lives there, right? <laughs> That's what I want. You're right. You got it. Okay. <laughs> All right, John. We'll move on. And here we go again. A trilogy is sitting there, and we just have to do it. 
This time, it's Matt Allen's favorite fighter, Brandon Moreno. And you talk about cancel culture. I, I thought Matt Allen was going to get canceled the time that we talked to Brandon Moreno. And in a studio full of people, Matt asked him how good he was at building pinatas. And there's a whole backstory to that. But nobody in that studio knew it. And he looked like a racist. He's taking on Devison Figueredo, not Francisco. <laughs> and the UFC, excuse me, seems hell-bent on booking this one. So, John, my question is, why? You know, I, I am a believer in that once you get this, the thing settled, you should allow someone to have some space from the fight. You know, like these fighters can tend, especially at the championship level, they tend to get linked to each other. If a fight's good, you want to do it again because you know it's it's guaranteed, right? But I do think that once a guy gets the belt, he should have, a, he should have the freedom to go establish his own legacy, right? So I think that they know what they have in Moreno Figueredo. If they fought 100 times, 90 of the fights would be great. So they know that. But also, I do think that they think they can market Figueredo. And I think that if you, if you really, really stuck them to it, I think they'd rather have Figueredo as the champ than Moreno, even though I think Moreno brings more to the table. I think Moreno is the guy that can get you into Mexico in a way you've been wanting to forever. So yeah, I mean, before we started the show, oddly enough, we were talking about baseball cards. If you haven't checked it out, 15-minute card breaks. Matt Allen, myself, my wife. My wife is on this channel. So if you want to see more of the Allens, there's three of us. But I bring this up because I have two PSA 9 graded Jordan Alvarez rookie cards in front of me. John, why do I say this? Because I was on R slash baseball cards. I'm on there all the time. I love the subreddit. The point being... In the fine print on that subreddit, they say this sub is for all sports cards, not just baseball cards. Somebody posted on there a collection of Brandon Moreno cards. And I'm not joking you. The comment section lit up of baseball card fans that also like Brandon Moreno. I had to comment under it. You know, if he wins, it's Pop Funkos and Legos for all. But my point is, I think Brandon Moreno is a star in his own right. I have a little bit of a skewed view because Matt's been on the Moreno train forever. We were Brandon Moreno 2020 for the longest time. It was like two years in the making and everybody said, well, you didn't pick him, so you must not have liked him. My point of all of this is I got to kind of break the fourth wall. I, I didn't actually write this question. And if we want a literal answer, Alessandre Pantoja is hurt and he can't take the fight. So Moreno wants to be active. He wants to fight next weekend, let alone in a few months. And for Pantoja, he won't be back until early next year. So that's the real reason why. But I love the answer. Like, it is very marketable. It's a little bit less marketable, though, after the news today, because who's Devison Figueredo's last win? Who is Devison Figueredo's last a win? A guy who retired, Joseph Benavidez. There's that's a right, yeah. picture of him up in my office. And really, I'm going to give an office tour before this office moves. And I've got some more props to bring in because this is just a prop show. But the autograph picture above Joseph Benavidez is one Don Fry submitting Tank Abbott. And it's signed by both of them. Signed by both of them. Quirky office I have here. And we move on, Craig. Speaking of the old days, and what easily, what could easily be a posting to the book, Jose Aldo and BJ Penn have chimed in on the legacy of Khabib and Mark Madoff. Both men saying that to call someone an all-time great requires a more, a more solid legacy than Khabib has. And Penn going on to say that to make the claim, he should have fought at multiple weights. Now, in Nurmagomedov's defense, he's always, or I've always seen him calling himself one of the greats, not the greatest. So that's what he says. Uh, wh what side do you fall on this? Who does Joe Rogan think the greatest featherweight of all time is? Uh. It's not Max Holloway, is it? I don't know, but I mean, I thought it was, allegedly. <laughs> so they say. There's a lot of people out there that think Max is the greatest. There's some people that say Conor McGregor because he beat Jose. To me, it's Jose because he was great for so long, and he did it from WEC into the UFC until he faced some other all-time greats. But I think Jose Aldo is the greatest featherweight of all time. At Bantamweight, I think Dominic Cruz is the greatest Bantamweight of all time. At Flyweight, I think it's Demetrius Johnson. At Welterweight, controversially... I have GSP. Kamaru Usman could be there. I can do this for days. At 155, it's really tough. And we kind of did that on the show, didn't we? We went through greatest of all time. I think, who did I have? I had BJ Penn. But in my list, I had like Frankie Edgar was there. I had Benson Henderson. I didn't have Anthony Pettis. But I had a lot of guys that like maybe you wouldn't have on there. 
I do think, you know, Habib and BJ Penn, it's like neck and neck up there. BJ obviously kind of tarnished his legacy with his losing streak near the end of his career. Hopefully that's the end of his career. One can only pray that's the end of his career. I think, listen, Habib fought whoever they gave him. Did he lose to Glayson Tebow? Maybe. It's a W on his record. It's a loss on Rory McDonald's record. But listen, I still think Habib, he has a pretty good case. I mean, yeah, there's fights that we missed out on. Another McGregor fight a Ferguson fight. We could go on for a little bit, but to me, what he did to Poirier, what he did to Gaethje, the guys who were the greatest at that time, I don't know how you couldn't consider them. Like it's one, a one B. Well, listen, um, it's, it's the old Floyd Mayweather line, which is whenever he would fight somebody that had a couple of losses, he would say, there's three ways to beat this guy. There's no ways to beat me. Cause I'm undefeated. He would say, nothing's perfect except my record. Okay, so we could say the same thing about Khabib. We could say when talking about Khabib that, you know, he, he, he basically bowled 300. He lined him up, he knocked him all down. So how he did it, and was he a one-trick pony and this, that, and the other, that's when you're getting into the weeds. That's your, using your argument versus somebody else's argument, trying to poke holes in his legacy. He did what was asked of him. They put the guys in front of him. He knocked him down. He retired for his own reasons. So I, I understand where Penn and um, and uh, um, Jose Aldo are coming from. It would be interesting to have seen those guys fight him um, because of their takedown defense. So I think that's that's a more interesting conversation than where he where he sits. But I listen. It depends on what argument you're having. If you're talking about the best lightweight of all time, it's hard to argue against. If you're talking about one of the best fighters of all time, yeah, moving weights and multiple belts and stuff like that, I think outweighs losses. St. Pierre's got a couple of losses, but he won multiple belts. He had long streaks of championship title defenses. So that, to me, carries more weight than just an undefeated record. John Franklin setting up those pins so I can knock him down. You talk about George St. Pierre, John, and I'm going to go on a slight tangent because today I'm sitting at work, uh, you know, having a conversation. And I said something about George St. Pierre. I said something about UFC 154. And then later on in the day, I'm watching that promo for UFC 154 <laughs> that gives me chills because you got live lightning crashes. I love the song. It I get so fired up. I do my George St. Pierre voice, John. And then I get home tonight and I read the news that Carlos Condit's retired for real. I mean, this guy had an absolutely unreal career from his Dan Hardy double knockdown knockout to his wars that he put on with all sorts of different comers. I mean, a great fight against GSP. He fought Johnny Hendricks. He fought who? Robbie Lawler. Uh, Nick Diaz, that was back in 2012. Rory McDonald, he finished him. So many great fights from uh, Carlos Condit, the natural born killer. So he finally does retire. His last time out, it was a loss to Max Griffin, where, listen, it really was Griffin's night there not that long ago. So when we look at Carlos Condit's legacy, obviously he is the former interim welterweight champion of the world, locked him into that fight at UFC 154 in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Is he a Hall of Fame type fighter? Is he, you know, an all-timer in terms of, you know, the fans' perspective? What's your overall takeaway on Carlos Condit's career? Well, I'm going to give you an example of the Hall of Fame that just happened. Uh, the thing I love the most about the Basketball Hall of Fame is that it is the Basketball Hall of Fame, not the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame. So people go into the Basketball Hall of Fame based on a body of work, right? So, for example, when you look at someone like Draymond Green, all right, Draymond Green is ultimately probably going to be a Hall of Famer. But when you put it in the terms of the Basketball Hall of Fame, you factor in the college career, you should factor in the Olympic career, okay? So the example I was going to give is not Draymond Green, but Tony Kukoc. Tony Kukoc has made it in the Basketball Hall of Fame, his years with the Bulls, his years in Croatia, some of the Olympic stuff. We'll forget about 1992 in Barcelona. But listen, I think that if you're putting, if you're going to make this a true UFC, a true MMA Hall of Fame, and you include the work he did at the WEC, then absolutely he's a Hall of Famer. I think the fact that he fought everybody, the fact that he was never finished in terms of being uh, with strikes, depending on how you want to look at that Woodley fight. I look at the Woodley fight as an injury. Woodley said he did it. Uh, depends on how you look at it. But he's never been knocked out, anything like that. He's fought studs. I mean, he's fought, you know, Hardy. McDonald, 
Hendricks, Martin Campman. I mean, he's fought guys, Diago Alves, Tyrone Woodley. He's fought gunners. He's fought guys that go in there hunting heads, and that's that. And he's survived them all. So I think that if you – let's put it this way. One thing I told my son – I'm all over the place with this, with this answer, but here's, here's the last thing I'll say. My son's favorite team is the Cubs. Anthony Rizzo got traded to the Yankees. I said to him, I said, here's the good news. Or here's the bad news. One of your favorite players left the Cubs. Here's the good news. If he plays for the Yankees, he's going to probably make it to the Hall of Fame because of the games he's going to play in and the, being in New York and the kind of guy that he is. Anthony Rizzo is the kind of guy you want in the Hall of Fame. Carlos Condit's the kind of guy you want in the Hall of Fame. So from that, for his body of work, plus the kind of person he is, I say he's a Hall of Famer. I think he's a Hall of Famer for those reasons, but the UFC Hall of Fame is so weird. The voting process that there isn't is incredibly arbitrary. And then if you look at it, is it like the Basketball Hall of Fame where, again, you know, you're talking about pro, you're talking about amateur, everybody gets into the Basketball Hall of Fame. That's a joke. Have you ever been there? No, but we're going to start hitting them next time. I went when I was in high school, and honestly, it was a great experience. Like, I really did enjoy it. I've never been to Cooperstown, but I love the Baseball Hall of Fame. And that that gets tricky for me. Like, listen, I'm going to, again, spoil something. Matt Allen doesn't know this, and he won't watch the show, so it doesn't matter anyway. But I bought Matt Allen two cards for his birthday. The Topps Archives, I don't have them with me, but um, one signed, Gary Sheffield. One Alfonso Soriano, two of Matt's favorite Yankees from growing up. You ever look at Gary Sheffield's overall numbers? Like he's top 50 in different categories when he was in, he was 34, 35, 36, Atlanta, New York, New York. Third in MVP voting, second MVP voting, eight in MVP voting. The guy was a nine-time All-Star. He was a, what, a 97 World Series. He won the batting title, Major League Player of the Year, five-time Silver Slugger, not in the hall of fame. So listen, if it's stringent, like baseball, Carlos Condit won't get in. If we're loose and, you know, running wild, like, you know, the basketball hall of fame, maybe Condit does get in. But to me, he was a fan favorite for so many years, winning so many important fights. I think he deserves it. Well, I think it depends on how you look at it because Gary Sheffield was the perfect example. Is this an accumulation of statistics and a legacy over time? Or is this, I was one of the best players in the league for four or five years. An example in the NFL would be a guy like Priest Holmes, right? Priest Holmes was the best running back in the league for three years, but he didn't have a body of work, you know, and they went ahead and gave it to Terrell Davis. Maybe he was like six, seven years. He was the best. So you, these things are, you know, they're tricky. They're, they're, they're not uh, they're subjective. And uh, okay. I'll give you two quick either ors, and then we'll move on to sparring sessions. Who should go in the hall of fame uh, between Carlos Condit and Donald Cerrone, you can only put one in. Condit. Who should go in the Hall of Fame between Carlos Condit and Eli Manning? You can only put one in. <laughs> Eli Manning won two Super Bowls. There you go. Like, he was a 500 quarterback. Wasn't he less than 500? I think he retired at 500. Like, Yeah, but he still won two Super Bowls. He did. Craig, we move on. Let's talk uh, guys who may or may not make it to the Hall of Fame. Here we go again with these two. Jorge Masvidal is making news on the social medias, calling Leon Edwards all types of pussies and bitches, all in service of getting a fight. Or is it, Craig, do you think this fight actually has legs and might happen? Or do you think, here's your SAT question for you, or do you think Edwards is to Masvidal as Nate Diaz is to Conor McGregor? The fight that will always be there, but is kind of a last resort. I see, I don't see it as a last resort. I mean, I still think that you can obviously market three piece in a soda, but this is where I'm going to go into the weeds a little bit, John. So I was on Twitter a little bit last night, just like reading around and I saw Gilbert Burns tweet. So I read the question that I have in front of me right now. So I Googled it. I thought, eh, I'm not going to go on Twitter. So I Googled it. This is a headline and it said SB Nation. This is from MMA Mania. Jesse Holland put this one together. I think it was a little bit editorialized, but here is your headline. Gilbert Burns blows a gasket after Leon Edwards passes on Jorge Masvidal to wait for UFC title shot. And then in the article, previously labeled a bitch by Rocky for kissing up to Masvidal, blew a gasket on social media. 
You are scared. You call Masvidal out. Now you don't want to fight Burns Road. You call me out when I have a title shot. Now is ducking. You are fake. Man, this makes zero sense to me. First, the guy hit you with three piece and a soda on your own country. Nothing happened. You being asking for this fight for years. Last month, you just did. And now you turn the fight down. Man, it's just me. Or does this guy doesn't like to fight? It's crazy. John, is that blowing a gasket on Twitter? <laughs> give me a uh, fucking break that, with that headline. That, give me, like headline? give me. Yeah, give me a break. That's you do better straight up. Um, I like the fight. I'd like to see. I don't it happen, think Jesse but... Holland's ever going to win a Pulitzer for MMA. So let's. Uh, you might want to lower your expectations. Jesse, I'm <laughs> sorry. You probably do good work. I just kind of found one of the articles that you did up <laughs> on MMA Mania. I know Michael Bisming doesn't like MMA Mania. So no. listen, we're all trying to run stuff and have fun, and uh, I just didn't like that one. But to to be honest with you, I'd love to see the fight. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it seems like it's taken a weird way of materializing here. That Canadian diplomacy. And we move on, Craig, to the featured segment. This is your time to shine. I got to know, here's why I wanted to offer up this featured segment, because I feel like sometimes on this show, we get so far into the, this Carlos Condit Hall of Famer, these two guys going back and forth and. Anderson and Vitor and the Paul brothers that sometimes we just need to catch up with the state of these divisions. We've done this in the past. We'll do it a little differently today. And you know, who knows? It might make good TikTok content. So that that's always a bonus. Uh, talk to me, catch me up on all these divisions. All right. So John, we're looking at the champion for all of the divisions. So let's start with flyweight. You have Brandon Moreno. Obviously he's got a fight against Devison Figueredo. So if we're really looking at it in terms of the champ, the push, the mandate and the sleeper, if you're putting a mandate out there at flyweight, I I'm going to throw it back to you. What are you saying for mandate at flyweight? What are you thinking on that one? I, I don't think that people are. So, so just to clear this up for everybody, the way it works is the champ is the champ. The push is getting the push from the promotion. The mandate's getting the mandate from the fans. And the sleeper's the one that's kind of just laying there. Probably we'll see him in a couple of years, but he's not quite ready yet. So if you're asking me who the fans want to see, that's a tough one. I think that the fans like the champ. I don't know. Pantoja? I mean, to me, it would be Pantoja. Um, you know, and then you look at it in terms of the sleeper. And it's weird because he's ranked second. It's Askar Askarov. He deserves this shot, but they just keep booking him in different fights, one with Alex Perez, so on and so forth. So if we're saying, yeah, the champ, Moreno, um, and then you're looking at it in terms of the push, it's Figueredo, the mandate, Pantoja, the sleeper, is Askarov. And we're kind of cherry-picking up top. You could flip in, I don't know, Kaikar France. He's got some excitement. David Dvorak, if he was to fight more. Uh, Bantamweight, Aljamain Sterling is the champ. We're talking about the push. Piotr Jan, he's going to have the next opportunity up there. I'd say the mandate's a little tricky in this division. I'd say it's either Jose Aldo or Rob Font. And then if we're talking about a sleeper, I mean, listen, this one's absolutely wide open. I'd probably go with Marab Doeshvili. Do you think I'm crazy? No, I think we're on the exact same page. The only thing that I would, I would push back on a little bit might be putting Dillashaw in there for the mandate from the fans and maybe uh, uh, David Corey Sondhagen um, before he started, you know, scuffling a little bit, but yeah, I I'm with you there. I agree. Featherweight. You get the champ. That's Volkanovsky. The push right now is on Ortega just because they had the ultimate fighter. I'd say the mandates Max Holloway. They want to see that trilogy. I know Luke Thomas wants to watch another fight 49 times. And then we're talking about featherweight and we're talking about a dark horse sleeper. I think that one's really easy. I think it's Giga Chikadze. There he is. I knew it. Yeah, we're we're lined up. We're linked up pretty good on this one. I agree with you. Lightweight, your champion, Charles Oliveira. And then if we're going with the push, Dustin Poirier? Poirier? We're yeah. going Poirier. Then if we're talking about a mandate, do we say Islam Makachev? The fans want him. The Fight Night Picks fans want him. So I, I'm going to go with Makachev there. And then if we're talking about... If we're talking about a real sleeper here, it's tricky because I've got two guys and they're going to fight each other and they're both former kickboxing or sorry, striking coaches. 
a Tiger Muay Thai. It's Brad Riddell or Fazeev. It's whoever wins that fight is then the sleeper. Yeah, I agree with everything. I mean, the only the only thing, the only pushback I can give you there would maybe be Gaethje with a mandate. Yeah, like, like meaning, meaning this: if the UFC put up a poll on their website and says you get to pick the next opponent for Charles Oliveira, and the two choices were Gaethje and Makachev, I think Gaethje might win it. Uh, Walter Wade, Champ, Kamaru Usman, the push, Colby Covington, because they're gonna fight the mandate. Vicente Luque. Now, the fans didn't know him when I threw that one out there last episode of Early Stoppage. They got mad because I made the thumbnail Luke versus Diaz, but I still think he's the guy. And the sleeper at 170 pounds, I'm going to go off the wall here. I'm going to say Sean Brady. I really like that guy's game. Like, I, I think he has a bright future. It's definitely yeah, not Kevin you. Lee. It's not Kevin Lee. I can't think of anybody else. Maybe Jeff Neal a while ago, but not now. D-Rod, um, rumblings of an injury in the Fight Night Picks comment section from Dave Baker, who is a family friend. So listen, take that for <laughs> what it's worth. It's out there in the ether. Uh, middleweight, your champion, Israel Adesanya. Your challenger is, I, I don't know. I mean, the push, would you say Derek Brunson? I think for the you go Whitaker? From the promotion, the push has got to be Whitaker. Then I would say the mandate is Brunson because he's winning. Maybe even Sean Strickland. Yeah. And then a sleeper, if it's not Strickland, you know, flip-flop a little bit. Um, I have a hard time with middleweight. I don't know. You know, it was easy for a while when Holland was doing his thing. Shabazian was doing his thing. They could be sleepers. Uh, Kelvin's always kind of laying right there, but he's, you know, moving down. That's a tough one. Drakus Duplessis. I mean, if 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 he didn't lose his last fight to Gerald Mearshart, I would have said Mahmoud Muradov, but he lost and he gassed, so he's way off now. All right, your champion at 205 pounds, Jan Blahovic. Uh, your next challenger is Glover Teixeira. He gets the push. Your sleeper is, of course, well, no, sorry, the mandate is, of course, Yuri Prohoshka, but he doesn't seem to want to take a fight. And then your sleeper, Ankoliev. If he if he's not getting the mandate, this guy, yeah, flip flop because Ankalaev is the hotness out there. You're in I'm agreement. With, yeah, I'm with you. Heavyweight, your champions Francis Ngannou. Your challenger is going to be Cyril Gaon. He's the interim champ. They got his name slot there. The mandate is probably. Well, hold on, before we do that, give me a push. If either guy's the champ, because obviously the two of them fighting would be ideal. If they could make that happen, they would have made it happen by now. So let's say Ngannou's out of the picture. Gone's your champion, then who's the push for the promotion? Who would they want Gone fighting? Stipe? Stipe or Curtis Blades? I think, because we've already seen Gone fight Volkov, and we've already seen him beat Derek Lewis, so it's got to be Miocic or Blades. And then for Francis Ngannou, well, I don't need to see him knock out Curtis Blades a third time, and I'd like to see a third fight with, with Miocic, but it's tricky. I, I, I'll flip it around. So I'll go with uh, the mandate is obviously Tom Aspinall. And your sleeper, if it's not Aspinall, it's a guy at number 10. It's Chris Dawkins. Yeah, I'm there with you. My only pushback was I I would think, because sometimes in the past we've done the mandate. The push oh, the whoa, 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 whoa. I'm so wrong. I'm so wrong. I, I apologize, Fight Night Picks fans, because you're going to be all over me in the comment section. Your sleeper is, of course, Carlos Felipe. So I'll go with um, for either champion, the uh, the mandate from the is, is Stipe. I think the fans want to see Stipe against either guy. Okay, uh, Strawweight Rose Namunas. She's gonna fight Zhang Wei Li. That's the push. The mandate is Carla Sparza because everybody wants to see that fight and she deserved it. And then I would say the push is probably, or sorry, I'm getting all over the place. The sleeper is probably Mackenzie Dern. Yeah, I could see Mackenzie Dern being the mandate also, and then us going a little bit, a little more off the off the beaten path with the sleeper. Except that everybody who's a potential sleeper, I mean, this is an old, old division with all due respect to the ladies. Yeah, just that have been around for a while. So Heboss maybe is a sleeper if she kind of gets it together. Um, but yeah, I like what you said. Well, I mean, they've got a great fight coming up. I mean, I saw today that Lavinia Sousa is going to fight Random Marcos. They gave Random Marcos another fight in the UFC, so that's going to happen. Uh, flyweight, Valentina Shevchenko is your champ. 
<sighs> the push, Lauren Murphy. She's Lucky Lauren. The mandate. <sighs> I don't know. Uh, anybody? I mean, the way Jessica Andrade's OnlyFans has been cashing out, maybe she's the mandate. Um, well, listen, she did lose badly. I'd say the sleeper is Miranda Maverick because she, Macy Barber didn't beat Miranda Maverick, and I will take that to my friggin' grave. Yeah, I think, you know, Grosso, I don't know what she did in her last fight. She looked good a couple of fights ago, I think. She could be a sleeper. I think maybe the push and the mandate is Murphy and one of the two that we just named is the sleeper. And women's bantamweight to round it off because I'm not doing women's featherweight. Women's bantamweight, <laughs> your champion, Amanda Nunes. She will fight Juliana Pena. A fight that I could care less about, but John Franklin loves. The mandate. Jermaine uh, uh, Durandamy. I listen, and that's controversial because the fans are not Durandamy fans. That's my mandate. Give me that fight. And then I would say a sleeper in this division is probably, and again, this one might sound crazy. I think Carol Hosa or Macy Chasson, one of the two, interchangeable. But Macy Chasson just continues to look good. Uh, sleeper is Nina Nunes. <laughs> what? Formerly Ansaroff. Uh, and we move on, Craig. I like that segment. And we move on. We did it quick. Uh, to For the Gram. Well, Craig Connor's back at it. He pulled up to the VMAs and got into it with Machine Gun Kelly. The Underground Whisper Network says Connor wanted the pick. And Kelly... First, what do we call this guy for short? Is it machine gun? Is it MG? Is it gun? I don't know. Anyway, he was not open to the picture, and then hilarity ensued with Connor throwing uh, punches, then being separated. Is this Connor trying to stay relevant? Is there something more here? I mean, obviously, he's not going to fight Machine Gun Kelly, but is this Connor grabbing at straws? Is there a. I feel like Machine Gun Kelly has a Poirier connection. Is, is there something more here? Or is this just Connor trying yeah. to get. Well, he has a Stipe connection because they're both from Cleveland, right? And Stipe walks out to that boy from the land till I die. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. I like that song. I'm not a big Machine Gun Kelly fan, though. Though I think it's cool that he went from rapping to like he does kind of like I, I wouldn't call it punk music, but he does like, you know, alternative punk style music now. Plus, he's in movies. He was in Bird Box. He played Tommy Lee in the biopic of... And he was uh, in that too. And I thought he was pretty good in both of them. Like, I was pleasantly surprised. Having said all that, he, yeah, he is a big UFC fan. He's at a lot of the events, just like Steve-O. So, you know, Steve-O and MGK, big MMA guys. I'm surprised we're talking about this. And I'm surprised that so many... And, and it's not a shot at you. It's not a shot at the fans. I'm surprised so many people covered this and cared enough about this. Because I saw this and I went, okay, I'm done on Twitter now. Like for, I for the day. I'm interested in it in the perspective of is it just a publicity stunt by Connor? I, or I think it is. I think it is. It, it's 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 a way to stay relevant. Reckless behavior. Um, the other thing I'll say about it is that you know, listen, you root for anybody who's in a relationship for it to be successful and be happy. But someday the fact that you're gonna have to say your mom's making Kelly and your dad's machine gun Kelly. Um, I just real or I'm sorry, Megan Fox, not Megan Kelly. Megan Fox <laughs> and Machine Gun Kelly. Um that's interesting to have to say those are your parents. Um, but I'm sure there's, you know, Tommy Lee and, and Pamela have kids, so they're, they're handling it. Uh, anybody can. All right, Craig, we move on to one Twitter hitter. Craig, in the category of let's hear from the elder statesman nobody asked for, I bring you Luke Rockhold. Rockhold came out this week criticizing the fact that Kamar Usman Israel Adesanya didn't support Francis Ngannou in his fighter pay plight. This seems odd for him to call out just these three. We'll leave that conversation for another day. Um, what do you think Rockhold's play is here? Do you think he just thinks – I'm going to give you a, a, a quick analogy, which is somebody said once that uh, – and I don't know if I agree with this totally, but this was the story. Someone said once that George Clooney thinks he's funny because he's really good-looking and hot girls laugh at his jokes. Um, that doesn't mean he's funny. That means he's good-looking and girls laugh at his jokes because he's good-looking. Do you think that Luke Rockhold gets told – that he's interesting, compelling, smart because of his looks, and that gives him a false sense of awareness. Or do you think he's onto something here? Or do you think he gives a sh he thinks we give a shit about his opinion? What do you got? I don't know what to do with my hands, like Luke. Um, he's been on this plate for like a month now, talking to anybody that's going to listen. 
about how fighter pay has to get better. And listen, I'm I'm the scum of the earth. I'm that MMA media guy. I want fighters to make more money. Oh, get mad at me. Ah. Listen, I think it's all like my T-shirt says. That's a clown question, bro. Like when Bryce Harper was 19, <laughs> he came up to Canada and the reporter wondered if he was going to drink. Of course he wasn't going to drink. He's a good boy. Um, I, I don't know if this is. Here's my one thing, because I, you know, this was around the same time that and I quote from Ariel Hawani <laughs> According to sources, a number of influential industry individuals have come together to create a new MMA league that is structured more like the NBA, NHL, NFL, rather than your typical MMA promotion. When I read this, John Franklin, where did my brain go? Where do you PFL. have the PFL? Right. Why is this a thing? This new league would also include an athlete association that implements a CBA with 50-50 revenue share, guaranteed contracts, health insurance, career-ending insurance, and a pension plan. The plan is to announce the venture in the coming days, I'm told. They are hoping to launch in 2023. It's been a couple of days in these coming days. I haven't heard anything more about this. I Googled it extensively. I couldn't find anything more about this. So all I will say is, hopefully it pans out. I don't see why the PFL didn't do this or, or these athletes didn't feel comfortable to go to the PFL because they already have so much investor capital. They seem like the likely place where they already have a season, but maybe they, they don't want to go like with that type of structure, like a season structure. They want to go with the regular hold events all year, but like they mean like corporate hierarchy structure where, you know, in the NFL, NBA, NHL, you have revenue sharing, right? Yes, but there's not anything like that, um, you know, with with the UFC. So I'm eager to see what comes out of that. I am, you know, to answer your question, a little bit surprised that Rockhold went with those names, but he has been trying to help fight or pay for a long time. And I'm sure if he knew who Sarah Alpar was and the fact that she's fighting this weekend, but she had to start a GoFundMe for her last fight campaign, he probably would have said her name too, because I'm quite sure Jake Paul did. Well, listen, I think that it would be interesting if Luke Rockhold and Jake Paul were somehow involved in this because they've been talking so much about fighter pay. But I think that, you know, listen, he was at AKA, and I know those guys kind of stood up for each other, but I don't remember them getting involved in, in one another's pay disputes. I don't remember him looking out for Kane or DC or Khabib or Fitch or any of those guys. So, I mean, I, I get where he's coming from. Fitch has certainly had his issues with the UFC. I don't remember Luke Rockhold when he was in his prime and everything was good with him in the UFC saying, you know, this and that about John Fitch. So, and I don't know their relationship. I just know they're both at AKA. So I think it's interesting when you start, if you have an issue with Dana and you have an issue with management, keep it with Dana and management. Don't start cutting other fighters off at the knees just to try to make your point. I don't think that's the way you want to go. All right, Craig. Up next in posting to the book, you're going to love this one. You're going to love this one. I'm going to trade lightly here because Travis Brown's a big guy. But it came out this week that Brown came out this week and said that fighters need to honor their contracts and stop whining about their pay. Now let me sprinkle some allegedly all over this. Shouts to Deesa Samaro. But the Underground Whisper Network, Craig, says Brown and Dana White are Eskimo brothers. I don't know if you heard this. Allegedly. Allegedly. That's what the Underground Whisper Network says, that Brown and White are Eskimo brothers. So my question is to you, and you're going to love it, is Travis Brown carrying Dana White's water on this some cuckish behavior? I mean, who ordered the code red? Rousey or Dana White? Okay, so you love this. You question. remember when Travis Brown was <laughs> that next and he was going to be UFC champion? Yes. You remember when he fought Derek Lewis in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada, and I was so incensed to buy signed gloves from both of these guys? How cool am I to have these and on my hands to boot? The whole point of all of this is the fact that Travis Brown, yeah, has a Rousey connection, but also Travis Brown main evented shows. Travis Brown made a lot of money in the heavyweight division. So, I, uh, you know, you talk about treading lightly. It is tricky because, I mean, if this was... Like Justin Janes. Remember how Justin Janes was leaving the UFC? And it was like, well, I gambled all my money on myself. Hopefully it works. And then he loses. A guy like that's going to have a different view of the world in the UFC and the way that pay works than Travis Brown, who main evented UFC shows in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. So, yeah, it, it's a little weird for him to go that route. I feel like he wasn't coerced into saying it, though. I mean, this is like, this is a guy that had a lot of big opportunities. And he got finished in some fights there near the end and had to you know, kind of hang him up for that reason. But don't forget this too. He beat that orc. 
He beat that orc in that UFC promo for that stupid Bright movie on Netflix. Don't forget that. Never forget it. I will never forget it. You know, here's where I think it gets interesting. I think that, you know, this, this, and listen, you're going to sort of get a peek into how I feel about this kind of stuff because it's, it's sort of impossible to hide. This good old boy narrative of I signed a contract and my word is my bond and it's strong as oak and all this shit, that's fine. If you're signing contracts without the other party having substantial leverage, if we're coming to the table and it's an understanding of like, you know, I want to sell you something, we agree on a price and we shake our hands, that's one thing. But when the other co- company has substantial leverage and goes out of their way to sort of destroy you in the media when you don't play ball, I don't think that Travis Brown is fighting the right fight. He's saying that you should honor your contracts, which most, pe- most people would agree with. You know, it's one of these weird narratives. It's kind of like, and you're going to love this one. It's kind of like all lives matter. And I'm not going to go too far down this road, but in this sense, it's a diversion from the actual issue. To say that someone is not honoring their contract when you understand that the contract is signed and it's not equitable in its construction. That's the problem I have with it. When you know there's not a pay split, when you know there should be revenue sharing, when you know all these things are the case, it's kind of like saying, well, if you don't like working at McDonald's, go find another job. Well, it's tough to find another job. That doesn't mean McDonald's shouldn't pay more. Okay, that's the point. The point is is that maybe they should pay more. Um, Yes, the person could go through all these things. I don't work at McDonald's, so obviously, you know, I, I chose to take another path in life. But I'm saying if that's your option, it doesn't mean that McDonald's shouldn't pay more because you could go do something else. You should be happy to have your job. I, I disagree with that narrative. It's a tricky, tricky one. It is a tricky, tricky one. All right, Craig, we move on to start the conversation. I want to talk about these trailer fights because another thing that came out this week, and it sort of went by like a, like a bolt of lightning, and you kind of saw it, was that I maybe I misheard it. You can correct me, but I thought I saw somewhere this week that all trailer fights are exhibitions. One, did you hear that as well? And do you know that to be true? And two, if you either don't know it to be true or do, should they all be exhibitions? Do you think thriller fights should all be fought as exhibitions? Damon Martin, September 13th, 2021, from a reputable MMA site called MMA Fighting. The headline reads, Triller fights all conducted as exhibitions. Knockout wins not added to Vitor Belfort or Anderson Silva's records. John, I take that as being factually correct and not a bit of clickbait. That's real. You can take it to the bank, as they say. Um, why? Why are they exhibitions? Is it because Donald Trump is on the call with Todd Grisham? Is that why? <laughs> How cool is that? You know who? Oh, just, let's back it up. Let's let's go for a callback from our last segment that I felt completely awkward and weird about. When Travis Brown fought Derek Lewis in Halifax, Nova Scotia, do you know who was on the call? I already answered it, so I'm going to keep going. Brian Stan and Grisham. Grisham. And his famous call was, get out of there, Travis. So how cool that years <laughs> later he ends up from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada to calling that fight with Donald Trump. Your thoughts on that? Uh, he's come a long way. Look at me now, Ma, top of the world. So this One was day- the... Go ahead. This was the, the bit of trolling that I was going to put on my Facebook that I didn't. And I'm sure that this will this might show up in the comments, but why not? Let's have some fun with the commenters. I was going to put on my Facebook. I'm so glad that Donald Trump has the time to commentate trailer fights. That was my little bit of trolling. But listen, I think that they should be exhibitions because I think that we just want to see these two guys in the ring. We don't really care about... I, I, th- I think why they're exhibitions is so you don't lose fights based on missing weight. And I think that if it's an exhibition, the weights can be whatever they are. If it's an actual fight, you have to make a, you have to make a, a, a definitive weight. What if weight. it's an open weight fight? You could do that too. Yeah, so maybe that maybe that that's the flaw in my in my argument. But I think that um yeah, I I think any fight I'm gonna completely contradict myself here, but I think any fight should not be an <laughs> exhibition fight because of this reason. I think that, that that lowers the stakes. At least if you have to make weight, at least if the fight's on the record, there's some danger there, there's some stakes, you're putting something on the line. An exhibition fight, 
Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather, I have no interest in ever seeing again. Um, I, that to me is just like two guys that aren't close in weight. They're just going in there to fuck around. If they want to fuck around, do it somewhere else. Um, I think if you're going to get in there, put real gloves on, step in a real ring, it should be a real fight. Yeah, I, I'm in agreement. I mean, I think they should be, you know, legit above board, like actual fights that count on somebody's record. Like, you know, I, I want to see these guys compete, but I also want to see it count because there's going to come a time where Jake Paul has all these exhibition fights. And if, cause I mean, some of his fights are real, like they're on his boxing record. So if some are exhibitions, some are not, and then you want to see him fight a real boxer, it gets really tricky that way too. All right, Craig, we want to finish strong. I have a couple. If you have some, you can toss them in here. Gable Stevenson has signed with the WWE, but I think it's one of those NIL situations and uh, he keeps his amateur status. Here's what I think is interesting about this. Because if you're opting to go between WWE and MMA, yes, it is a much easier path to go to WWE. You would think. But I'm a teacher, all right? So I'm going to use teaching as the analogy here, which is being in the WWE is kind of like being a teacher in the sense that everyone thinks they can do it, but not everyone is willing to do what it takes to do it well. And I think that when I look at WWE, not everybody translates to a big stage and a big camera. Even Chael Sonnen, who does all of that stuff amazingly, would be in the WWE, I think, if he would have done it overwhelmingly. Like when I think in my brain, the idea of Chael Sonnen walking down the stage, you know, walking down the, the aisle to, to get to the ring, it just doesn't sit. It seems off. He doesn't but have Kurt Angle makes sense. I don't know. Kurt Angle has a different look. What I just don't plain. I don't know. I just I, one makes sense and the other doesn't. So there's all these guys that think they could just go over there. And props to Rhonda. I mean, Rhonda figured it out. She figured out what her I think the, here's the secret. You have to figure out not what you want to be, but what you are. How do people perceive you? Not how you want to be perceived. Copy a think, famous Scottish Canadian's gimmick and use it to your advantage. That's that's it. Is that okay. the secret sauce? There you go. That's the secret sauce. Uh, uh, go yeah. Ahead. No, go ahead. No, 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 no. I'm I'm just a cynic. That's all. <laughs> Next, Jake Paul's calling out Jorge Masvidal and doing it in a very interesting way. He's going at Dana like he always does, but this time, and a side note to this is that Amanda Serrano has just signed on with Jake Paul's management team. He is trying to give Dana the double play of Paul Masvidal, Serrano Nunez. Um, I'll be honest. I don't know where they would fight, but I don't hate either fight. Obviously, they're both one-sided, but I like the promotion of them both. Do you think this was smart on Jake Paul's part? I think it was smart. I'd like to see those fights. I don't think it'll happen because Dana probably won't co-promote. And and it's weird too because Jorge has his own promotion. I know it's game bread fighting championships and it's bare knuckle, but it's still it's really weird. It's an odd dynamic there. Listen, Jake Paul, for all intents and purposes, is a free agent. I know he's with Showtime Boxing. And he but... owns a lot of space in your noggin. He does. For all intents and purposes, he's a free agent. He signed with Showtime, but you know, there's some wiggle room there. I'm sure he's not signed for more than three fights. And he fights often. If I'm Dana, I get that you don't like the Paul brothers, man. But if you're ever going to launch Zufa Boxing, this is the way to do it, I think. I think that you have these kind of fights because at some point you just – it's kind of like women fighting. At some point, Dana just had to give in. He said what he said, but he just had to say, you know what? I was wrong. And these celebrity fights can make him money under that Zufa Boxing uh, umbrella or under that Zufa Boxing tent if he just gives in. And just says, I've I really have lost my ability to promote Jorge Masvidal as an MMA fighter, which I don't think he has. But when he has, it's time to transition those guys. He could have had Askren fight Zufa Boxing. He could have had Woodley fight Zufa Boxing because he's blessed. He could have had Anderson. So imagine if he got the money from Belfort, Silva, Askren, and Woodley all fighting under Zufa Boxing. That is where that Craig might be the answer to where do old fighters go? What do we do with these guys? What's the senior circuit? The senior circuit goes from high-stakes MMA 
where you're using your name to promote some youngster who's going to kick your head into the third row and take over your legacy and lick his gloves to now you're fighting boxing. You can control things a little bit more. You're not as heavily regulated. You can pick your opponents. I think Dana, I think Dana swung and missed on this one. I think Zufa boxing should have been a uh, thriller to be honest. Next time you're talking to Dana, let him know. Give it to next him. Time, next time I talk to Dana, it'll be the first time I talk to Dana. No, I talked to him back in the day. All right. There you have it. Another one's in the books. Craig can be followed at Craig Allen FNP. I can be followed at SM Quarterman. The fight has been stopped. We'll see you next week. Craig, I want you to say something witty, but say something witty about our fantasy football league. Uh, there's two Craigs. My team's better. Saquon Barkley and Kyle Pitts. Please don't just tank my season. <laughs> All right. Watch out for our fantasy football league. Two Craigs, a guy in a pizza place. All right. See you next week. Peace.